Pierre, welcome uh, to the show. And uh, just in classic rapid hole fashion, how are you doing today? Hi. Uh, yeah, really good. Thanks a lot for having me. Happy to be here. We were just admiring the view yeah. behind you. Um, I'm well jealous. It's like you're in your Bitcoin <laughs> yeah, it's, zen. Right uh, you now. know, really in the middle of a forest, just the river there. Uh, in the evenings, uh, really enjoy taking a, I don't know how you call that in English, but like a, you know, it's like a boat, but you pedal, and this is how you make it move forward. Mm. All right, nice. Yeah, so just, yeah, there's one right here. So just, you know, chill evening when it's golden light, uh, enjoy the nature. Wow. Not jealous at all. <laughs> we can we, we we can sort of do that you know pedal down pedal down the little river into camden ian but um, yeah it, it won't be it won't be, as, it won't be it's beautiful <laughs> you have to pay a ridiculous amount of money to do that though yeah do you see like weird homeless people and then people living on boats so i, I would prefer where pierre is right now <laughs> pierre thank you for joining us here at rabbit hole stories it's an honor having you here we met in prague and we had a good chat um, about the sort of stuff that you're doing in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And uh, we thought it'd be a great idea for you to come on and not only share that and what you're doing in the in the space at the moment, but also just to sort of go down your Bitcoin rabbit hole story on how you discovered Bitcoin, when that was, what that meant for you, uh, why you chose to stay in the space and what it is that you're doing now. Um, so we'll leave it pretty much open for all our guests to start wherever they want to, and we'll just follow you down that rabbit hole and uh, see where we end up so over to you my friend yeah sure uh okay so you know for me um so so you know i, I finished my studies i learned how so i studied finance i learned how to program while i was studying it was something i really wanted to do and so you know tech was really something that i wanted to take my career towards and uh, so I was always just very involved in any finance and tech kind of thing and just trying to learn as much as possible and absorb it and uh, one day uh, I mean okay you know when I learned about Bitcoin it was way before all of that my brother was mining Bitcoin in 2013 uh, with a friend a very close friend of mine and the price reached a thousand bucks then the price dropped to a hundred bucks and you know for them Bitcoin was dead it was the end of like the adventure and they stopped mining after that and I at that point I was abroad I was studying I like I followed what they were doing but I didn't understand it and uh, you know and it's a shame actually looking back that they didn't understand it enough also to just have stayed in the space all that time because uh, I mean they were like they would be considered OG today if they had um, but you know so, so I understood that there was mining I understood like the, these different concepts but I kind of always thought it was just funny internet money um, but then uh, after my studies I came back I started working and uh, you know as I said this is when I really had the strong interest in tech and finance and um, I wanted to invest I just didn't know what's in uh, you know I had money saved up and I knew at first I wanted to do the classic kind of just stock exchange kind of thing but I remember one day actually um, uh, I went to the dentist or something before going to work and I, I check, uh, I don't know what social network platform and I see that there had been this flash crash kind of event that was in 2017, a flash crash event on Ethereum. Uh, and I was like, oh, well, man, I wanted to put money somewhere. Like, so the very first crypto I bought was Ethereum. <laughs> And in fact, I did that before even understanding like truly blockchain, etc. And and that same day or the, the day after that, you know, I just thought what well, a quick decision, the price dropped, it's a flash thing. I think it's still going to be around. Like, let's just buy something right now on the spot. And that same evening, I, I went to the same friend that was mining Bitcoin with my brother. 
And I started asking him questions. You know, I told him, obviously. He knew much more. He understood blockchain, etc. And uh, yeah, he blew my mind with how it worked. And he explained, of course, blockchain as in Bitcoin, right? And this like blew my mind. And little by little, I discovered that actually, well, on Ethereum, supposedly you can build stuff and all. Like, and I thought it was amazing <laughs> because you know. It, but that was the the tech guy in me speaking. You know, this idea that like you know you can build stuff and it's a new environment where you can build stuff. It seems interesting. Like uh, I don't know. I really found this appealing but you know after that I instantly went and bought Bitcoin and then I bought some other shit coins and <laughs> you know the, <laughs> the whole bull run happened 2017 2018 um, that's uh, kind of uh, where I learned a lot obviously I earned a lot of money lost a lot of money <laughs> uh, and uh, and then after that you know I went myself through this phase of Bitcoin is dead crypto is dead you know I think part of it is because you become a bit annoyed at the fact that you lose you lost this money and so you kind of you, know, you put you put this aside I think a lot of people that especially I guess it depends you know what bull run you entered at but I, that's something that I find very common in people that entered in 2017 the way I did this idea that you know you got so wrecked because of crypto ICO etc that you're kind of like, okay you know what let's just forget about that um, maybe I'll come back to it in the future you know and uh, but but one of the great things though is that all of the profiles that I started following during the bull run that we're all talking about crypto, crypto, crypto. Um, they stopped talking about crypto during the bear market and they talk Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And it goes much more to like fundamentals and stuff like that. And this, you know, some of these profiles that I, ha I had put away because I was like, okay, you know, screw that. Like, I don't care about this story anymore for now. Let's just focus on work, uh, what I can actually do day to day. And, uh, but I started looking, watching again, some of these profiles and some of the videos they were sharing. And this is when, you know, little by little, they were starting to orange bill me. And I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't focus on crypto. Let's just learn about Bitcoin like just really it was mostly from a from a financial standpoint because I understood blockchain and you know at work I was always pushing anyway to like get uh, leveled up on blockchain have diplomas on blockchain and I was lucky to have uh, uh, bosses that wanted me to learn about this stuff looking back it's all useless kind of stuff any corpo people listening to that getting a blockchain degree is like <laughs> one of the most useless things because <laughs> when you care about the different kinds of blockchains like it doesn't matter like yeah that's uh <clears throat> so for anyone listening that is like pushing your boss to like learn this kind of stuff like it doesn't matter learn bitcoin <laughs> and uh yeah so you know so i, I had all of this uh, all of this uh, te technical experience about that and little by little just uh, understanding bitcoin and understanding that this is exactly what i want to be able to do at that point i was uh a consultant. Uh, I was working for Accenture, so like one of the biggest consulting companies, right? There's like 800,000 employees worldwide, and uh, and you know they have a lot of initiatives where if you're interested in something, you can join like some focus group about that and like develop, do some research and like you know become experts about this. And a lot of this is also useless stuff, yeah. Like uh, if your boss is selling you on this stuff, it's just uh, illusions of it. But anyway, there's still some interesting stuff, and you you do like uh, meet a bunch of people, and uh, it's uh, you know people that you don't usually work with day to day and talk about other kind of ideas and uh, and there was the initiative to start one uh, blockchain crypto related thing but I could see from a mile away that nothing is ever going to happen with that especially when you look at all the other corporations that had blockchain initiatives and they just abandoned them completely um, so you know uh, that's uh, that's kind of what I saw and eventually I was like okay look I gotta go Bitcoin only I gotta work in Bitcoin because uh, I was transitioning projects I actually moved to what is supposed to be for a tech consultant in a corporate firm the 
perfect project, the ones that you want. It's like for great clients, it was for Microsoft. It was for great, uh, you know, uh, uh, heavy data analytics, automations, process automations, the kind of stuff that like for a geek consultant, great project. And two weeks in, I told my boss, look, man, I can't like, no, that's not, you know, I can't do that. And he was like, well, okay, well, maybe we have to find you another project, but what? Cause like, that's like top notch. Yeah. And I said, no, and like, I think I just, I got to quit. Like I got to find my own thing. I want to work in Bitcoin and like uh, try and find something. Uh, he tried to talk me out of it, <laughs> uh, but uh, he didn't succeed. And um, yeah, so that was in 2021. And uh, May, 2021, I quit my job and I just thought, you know, I'll get into Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was a journey and a half, Pierre. And um, wow. It, it, I, like a lot of people, you, you um, and like myself personally, um, what I did was I, I threw loads of money at like the top five or six mm. uh, cryptos at the time. I didn't really know where I was putting my money. And obviously a lot of people's first contact with Bitcoin is through the cryptos and, and then sort of uh, looking at those videos on YouTube and there were just like loads and loads and loads of them. And I was, uh, I, I admitted this on the podcast recently, I was in the danger of falling down the BitBoy crypto uh, world of things because I was listening to quite a lot of these videos and stuff like that. And it was so easily just to get sucked in by the sort of like the dazzle and the promises of all the cryptos yeah. and this one's going to the moon and this new coin's coming in, it's scalable. And, you know, all the sort of stuff that you see that, you know, you can do more with this than you can with Bitcoin. So, you know, I can see how it's quite easy to fall into that trap, but it's, um, a fantastic experience when you finally realize that Bitcoin's the only one really. And just like um, a lot of people in the Bitcoin space, you know, you've realized that and uh, you've stuck to your guns and you've gone down this Bitcoin rabbit hole. And I think I'm going to, unless you've got a specific question, Joel, based on what uh, Pierre has said, I want you, Pierre, um, this is usually not how we usually do it on this podcast, but considering your uh, rabbit hole journey is quite vast. I want you to pick a part of your journey that was most significant for you in all that. And we can maybe explore that a little bit more. Uh, yeah, okay. So I have a good one then. And actually that's something that I didn't mention uh, now that I think of it. Um, just before I quit my job, uh, my corporate job, I wanted to get into the, the Bitcoin space. But before heading there, I was trying to get at any kind of direction and in fact that's one of the things that also orange pilled me is the idea that of course as a dev uh, i wanted to try and build stuff that was my first approach to well, the crypto space i guess and uh, i did some tutorials on youtube that they're no longer there i did them for a company uh, on how to code in solidity which is the programming language of ethereum yeah yeah and in fact it's uh, I didn't know how to code in Solidity, right? Like I, I just, I, you know how to program, you do some research, you test some stuff. So I would look, kind of learn and whatever I would learn, I would just make a video out of it and like share this way and people can learn how to build some like smart contracts and stuff. It was just like, I think I did like five videos, six. And uh, it was uh, uh, part of what Orange pilled me and made me understand that there's no sense in actually building stuff on Ethereum was the fact that I tried to build stuff on Ethereum. Because instantly <laughs> you start realizing that, well, okay, if you want to do anything then that is actually of use for people, then you need to have some kind of database, 
because you need to use like you, you need to hold user records in one way or another. The blockchain doesn't allow you to do that. Uh, if you want to be able to communicate with outside data, you need what they call oracles, right? So like so in the end, what's the point of the blockchain if anyway you have to send information through centralized things? Like that's not the point of the blockchain, and that's kind of what made me also realize like that's a waste of time. Let's actually try to do stuff with Bitcoin and like let's try and like push adoption there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joel, I saw your face um, when you <laughs> were mentioning the uh, platform that you were using to to do your sort of techie stuff, and um, it would it reminded me we spoke with um, Adam, the co-founder and CTO of Relay, yesterday, um, and went down a little bit down his uh, journey and uh, how he became the CTO of Relay, and um, part of his journey was you know, and what I took away from the episode yesterday um, that we recorded was you're trying to find the solution to a problem when you're coding. And uh, I think with yourself, uh, Pierre, when you were doing that coding, you must have seen, like you just said, the the cracks in it and the flaws in the system and how it doesn't compare with what Bitcoin is offering. What happened when you started to realize that? What what action did you take from there? And, and how did you further evolve into the Bitcoin space after that? So rather than... Uh... Because uh, at that point, you know, I realized, okay, it's useless to build stuff on any other blockchain. That I'm, yeah, like it's no point of like focusing on that. But at that point, I had no idea, and I didn't understand exactly what can someone do if he just wants to like try and build stuff on like Bitcoin. What does it mean? What is it possible? What do, like you know? It's because it's a different way of thinking about it than what crypto guys think about when they think of building stuff. Because it's not so much that you build on it; it's you build around it. And I think that's much better, obviously, because it makes sure that Bitcoin just continues working the way it works, right? Uh, but it just also it detached a much more uh, a lot more my like what I could do. I, I had struggle seeing what technically could be done with Bitcoin and if anything was actually needed to be done with Bitcoin, right? And this is why the first thing that I thought was, I mean, okay, well, what should I do? Sure, I want to work with Bitcoin. That's like a great idea. <laughs> you quit your job here, what now, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it actually took me three months of just, I mean, you know, it was three months of holiday. It was, it was summertime, so perfect as well. I went in France, good chilling, you know, I was, I was helping my parents paint part of the house and just listening to Bitcoin podcasts. And like, that was basically what my summer was. It was reading about Bitcoin, listening about Bitcoin, and figuring out, okay, Pierre, what are you going to do in this Bitcoin world? Like, uh, and um, yeah, and three months in, uh, rather than build something, I thought, well, let's go through, like, let's go educate people. And so I thought I'll just make a documentary, which has nothing to do with what I used to do. But I always loved filmmaking. I did a filmmaking course when I was uh, studying. And um, yeah, I mean, I had done some small amateur video stuff. I even did some video work for some clients for Airbus. I did like some uh, animating presentations and recording with my voice and so on. And, um, you know, three months in, I was thinking, okay, I'm telling everyone about Bitcoin nonstop. Maybe I can do this in a more efficient way let's just make a film as if it's such an easy task and uh, and then send this to, to people and like have people learn about Bitcoin this way um, which uh, which was amazing like uh, I have to say you know the original idea was just let's write a story let's voice over it then just do kind of like what I did for clients in the past uh, as a consultant which was um, make presentations animate these presentations and uh, just, uh, you know, do a voiceover. And that's pretty much what I did. But rather than animating a simple PowerPoint, it was complex keyframing on Premiere Pro, which, uh, I mean, I already knew how to use Premiere Pro quite a bit. 
but this just, of course, took uh, my, lev my, my level of knowledge, I mean, yeah, just to the next step. And, um, and in general, you know, the whole process of building a film was just something quite passionate. Uh, I mean, quite fascinating that I was very passionate about. Yeah. I like to feature in there. Um, you were a consultant and you basically live in PowerPoint and present stuff to clients. That's pretty. It's a pretty good description. Yeah, I mean, it's, either, <laughs> it's either PowerPoint or Excel. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Either you're building a financial model, which is super boring, or you present something that someone has built in Excel previously. Yeah, but yeah. Although boring, <laughs> the boring part, like, uh, you know, if uh, it depends on the personality type, I guess. Like, again, mm. I'm a programmer. Uh, like I can sit down and spend 10 hours, not even like realize I like, skipped a meal and like just be in the zone mm. and like working on this. Same thing goes with Excel. And like, you know, there's a lot of automation stuff there. So it all depends on, I think it's a matter of how your brains are wired. <laughs> yeah, I have the same thing if, I, if I'm sitting in front of my text editor. Um, sometimes I then glance over like the little clock in the menu bar on my Mac and I see like, oh shit, it's already like 10 p.m. And you started at like 9 a.m. Like where have the last 13 hours gone? But um, um, hey, you know, I just have to laugh a bit because all of my friends are like, um, you know, consultants with like the big four or they are consultants for a big bank. And you kind of ask them like, well, what do you do? Do you like analyze the economy? Do you go into different niches? And they go like, no, nah, we just live in PowerPoint, Excel. Sometimes I hear like I live in Outlook because I have to respond to so many emails so <laughs> it's, it's funny to see the same thing um but that's quite a journey you went from I, I would argue a comfy life in the corporate world to rediscovering let's call it Bitcoin maybe maybe crypto initially and then you dove down that rabbit hole and then you ended up going hey I want to work in this um are you now working fully in it would you would you say that or is it uh -huh. are you still at that point where you go yeah, maybe there's more to that. I mean, no, the only thing I do is Bitcoin. So I like, I just, uh, you know, I, I just do a bunch of different stuff. I think uh, that's uh, if, because I want to take the, the entrepreneur approach. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you just got to do stuff that hopefully works and yeah, and get to talk with people, meet people and uh, just find new opportunities and build them and all in the name of either educating uh, uh, educating about Bitcoin or just pushing in one form or another, or another Bitcoin adoption. I think that's uh, that's kind of the priority that I have, uh, which is an interesting priority because not all of it pays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's fascinating every day just uh, having an idea, something that I know the Bitcoin community is going to respond uh, positively uh, uh, about and and just just do it you know and not have to worry about someone else telling me that i should prioritize on something else no i prioritize what i feel like i should prioritize and and i know that there's going to be a community behind that to to receive it which um i mean is worth much more than uh, knowing that i have my salary at the end of the month basically mm -hmm. so that's uh uh yeah so you know but you gotta i mean i'm you know it's a hustle just try and find all these opportunities and uh, see which ones works which ones don't uh, so you know it's that's why i've got a bunch of projects happening at the same time they're all around bitcoin and all around either education or uh, you know adoption it's amazing um how bitcoin fundamentals inspires and energizes people to do um you know build in in the ecosystem and contribute in some way to it and um what i want to know a little bit more about is the film you made what's it called and 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 what can we expect by watching it yeah so it's called the great reset and the rise of bitcoin and um this one is um it's about the state of the economy um where it's at just uh, you know following some simple 
economic lines that anyone can kind of understand. It's a bit technical, I have to say, that a few of my friends even gave me the feedback that they got lost. I said, that's fine. It's a documentary, you got to watch twice. <laughs> that's literally how I was building the documentary, uh, knowing that it has to be watched twice. So the state of the economy, um, and then explaining what are the central bank actions and what they may do in the future. And in that, explaining a pretty important concept that not a lot of people understand is inflation, CPI, where that comes from. So that's really, you know, the, the state of the economy was kind of the first part of the film to make people realize, okay, maybe that's something I should learn about because, you know, I do my, my life day to day. Here, there's maybe a good, uh, you know, up-to-date uh, source of information there. But then directing people to what is at the heart of our economy and our monetary system, which is, uh, well, our inflationary system and inflation, what it is, what it means, how does it happen, etc. And then transition to uh, Bitcoin and presented as an opposite to uh, our current fiat system and, you know, presents the inflation that exists in Bitcoin. How does that work? Uh, and really cover a lot of details, including how the blockchain works. Um, yeah, which I think is great. So the, the first half of the film is economy centered. There's no mention about Bitcoin. And then the second half, it's uh, mostly Bitcoin and then a general wraparound that puts in perspective the long-term possibility for Bitcoin in a world that is forever inflating in an accelerating fashion. So it seems like you've got um, all bases covered in that documentary. You've tried to include as much as you can in that one documentary. And um, I can understand just listening to the headlines of what you're saying that some people might find it technical because a lot of people don't even understand what money is and I think I think once you overcome that hurdle a lot of things become more clear to what is wrong with the system that is money at the moment and um, I don't know how long ago it was that you you made this documentary but between that that moment when you first released it into into the world and and now, has has anything changed, or anything you want to add as an as an, a, a top up to what you've already included in the documentary for people listening today? Well, I mean, always. In fact, when doing the documentary, there was, you know, there's always new headlines, there's always new new clips, new elements that like people that say things that you can always add. And I mean, I had to put a hard stop because it was already seven months of production. And there's, I mean, you gotta like consider something finished right. at some point. Uh, and, yeah. and it's hard, it's hard. And in fact, even when you think of the production of any kind of film, documentaries, etc., around Bitcoin, what's interesting when it comes to distribution is that a lot of it is a topic of the moment. It's hard to make a documentary that is going to live forever if you make it around the economy. I mean, Bitcoin, I think, is easier, but it's a bit too boring if it's only about Bitcoin. A lot of people won't ever watch it, right? you got to be able to take Bitcoin and mix it to other elements. And these other elements will often be of the moment, especially if we're talking about the economy, about tech, etc. So, um, you know, you got to at some point finish and consider it finished, especially that, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that it can still be part of the, the push of the last bull run so that we can be sure to educate and have people watch it. Uh, but since then, I mean, you know, I don't think anything has necessarily changed as in the, the thesis that I have in the film hasn't changed. Um, if anything, there's just more proof that I could <laughs> use to, you know, 
adds onto uh, the arguments that I've been using uh, previously. So, so, you know, that, that's the only element. There's just more proof both on both sides, whether it comes to Bitcoin and how it has strengthened as a network, how the Lightning Network is uh, now empowering more things, uh, how uh, Bitcoin itself, the hashing power is growing, how any kind of event does, isn't stopping that, but also on the economy side, how inflation has exploded from the moment that my film was released, uh, how they're trying to control it, what are the effects of that, and this all follows the thesis and the points that were laid out in the film. So if anything, I just have more, uh, yeah, more proof, more evidence. Which I think is a very important part in most of the work we're doing. So if we look at Bitcoin as an alternative to the current system, we can sort of go a few ways. You, you can either go into the whole network thing, so a payments network, a monetary network, how we want to um, define it. Or obviously you can go down the monetary policy way and sort of compare the two systems to each other. And if you, I mean, if you take a look, you mentioned a few things earlier, CPI, inflation, um, sort of the role of central banks. And what to me is often shocking if I speak to normies, even, you know, I know people that work at like JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman, these people are not dumb. Like they know what they're doing besides what most of their outcome is. Um, and I, I remember having a talk with a friend of mine. He's from the Netherlands and he now lives in London as well. And he went um, working, works for a private equity thing now, but used to work for Morgan Stanley. And he said, you know, this inflation thing, like, yeah, the 20% is crazy. But once we get back to two, so once we get back to two, um, everything will be sorted out. And I sort of sat there and, and thought to myself, well, you're just scrapping the zero essentially in that number but your money is still inflating away. You're still reducing the purchasing power of normal people. You might not care on a, I don't know, 150 grand salary, but at one point you'll feel it as well. Um, and I feel these little details are very, very important to show people that Bitcoin is not just this volatile asset. Yes, that is one part to the story, but it really is something that has thought behind it. And a certain method, I would say, to which you can either adapt your savings or to which you can even adapt your life, as you're pointing out, Pierre, to where you went from corporate job into filmmaking. Um, I want to stick a bit with the filmmaking aspect of it all, because I imagine now that the film is out and you continuously ideally want to update these things, what are sort of the next steps for you in that work? Are you aiming more towards, hey, I want to continue this documentary road? Or do you also plan on, um, I don't know, you know, maybe become a, a video journalist, sort of something along these lines and try and explain the Bitcoin story through that lens? Yeah, so, you know, that's the part where I started talking about all the projects I'm working on now. Because, <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, first off, um, you know, doing a documentary was great experience. I loved it. Uh, just very exciting to do. Um, but, of course, just like anything, or at least I, uh, always want to do better. Uh, there's a lot of flaws I see in my documentary, just in the way it was produced and the way the story was told. Um, I... So I'm working on another documentary now uh, that is, uh, um, I think, going to be much better in terms of the quality. The story itself is going to be, you know, again, the first one was about the economy. Um, you know, only a small portion of the population is actually going to uh, want to watch something like that and is going to actually try and understand it and not dismiss it instantly, etc. Because for too many people, it's just complicated um, and just not worth their time and I mean I get it although I think Bitcoin will change that it will force people to be more financially educated um, 
so they still come. They'll watch it at, at some point. Uh, but uh, but so the the new documentary though is more a bit more emotional. It's not. It's less data focused. Uh, it's uh, more about stories of our monetary system and who controls it in what way to make sure that the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor, including at a geopolitical scale with the role of uh, big institutions like the BIS, the IMF, the World Bank, how they all kind of work together uh, directly or indirectly to give power to one another. That makes sure that the power stays among the developed countries and doesn't go towards the you know countries in development and that just the status quo stays there and in the whole documentary you know bitcoin i want it to be just the last 10% of it it's uh, the story isn't about bitcoin it's about people it's about the injustice that there is i can give you an example i set up a company for my uh, for, i set up a company for the documentary and other things in el salvador um, the moment you set up a company in El Salvador, you need a bank account, obviously. The bank account, it was, it was a struggle, but you know, imagine it's not a struggle. Uh, once the bank account is set up, you need to wait six months until the account is uh, linked to the SWIFT network. Right? So you need to wait six months until you can transact internationally. Whereas us in the developed world, it's instant. The moment you get a bank account, it's connected to Swift and you can transact internationally. Now, imagine you're a guy, a, yo a young kid, looking for opportunities in your home country, El Salvador. And uh, you are a developer and you have found a way to like online, whatever, not even a developer, you just found a way online to make some money, just start a business. Well, the moment you can start receiving payments you gotta wait six months you're out of business like there's no there's no chance of you even getting started in the first place right and that's the kind of stuff that comes from these organizations and the rules that they put there whether it's because of kyc whether it's just banking standards regional banking standards so it's there's layers there's national banking standards and how they have to respect in, uh, uh, regional banking standards and how they have to respect international banking standards, they have to respect the BIS banking standards, all of this in order for them to be able back in El Salvador to receive foreign money and foreign investment themselves. So they're going to, you know, they're going to be pushed towards poor uh, politics in terms of how they, you know, provide their business to their local citizens simply because they themselves need to be connected to the international network. So it's you know, just all these kind of things that I think anyone, you don't have to be a Bitcoiner or interested in the economy to understand that there's something messed up about that. And is it just because we, like, choose to? I mean, at this point, it literally is, right? And, I mean, I code some apps where in half an hour, your app is integrated to the Lightning Network. So, at the, like, there's a moment you really got to wonder, like, if we don't have an efficient monetary system, it's because we choose not to have. Right. And, and I think, you know, Bitcoin is the way to make sure that we have because anyone can connect to this network and use it. Uh, that's part of the magic. I was talking about it with a friend. He's, he works in a, a private equity. I was literally talking to him today about the Lightning Network. And he's, a, you know, he understands tech, but he's, a, you know, a bit on the fence on Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. he asked me instantly, but wait, don't you think if you're going to like use Lightning to do some microtransaction, this kind of stuff, like... Um, isn't it easier to use traditional finance solutions? Like they're more robust and stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I didn't want to argue about the robust part, et cetera, right? But, but I told him, just think about that. There's, with the Lightning Network, 
I'll start differently. If you integrate with a traditional finance company that implements some kind of micropayment solution, right, it's just an extra layer on day-to-day transactions that they're like on a ledger, right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's a closed ecosystem. If you want to be able to send these microtransactions, you can only send them to someone that uses the same microtransaction thing, that has an account with these guys, that has a, you know, a bank account linked with these guys, that has like their entire tech stack has to be linked to this solution. If you're just accepting Lightning invoices, anyone can use whatever tech they want. You want to use a you know browser wallet? Well, you can. If you want to use a hardware wallet, then you can. And like you, everything can be integrated. Like it doesn't matter. But the only thing that matters is the fact you're sending this information. And someone with whatever solution they prefer using, whatever tech stack they prefer using, they can send you back an answer, and you get sats. You know, like that's it's just not comparable in terms of building stuff. But I think I went completely away from your question that I think was about the film, yes. <laughs> no, worries. no to, to, to maybe get quickly back to that statement, um, I think it's very important that if you gave the example of that private equity guy, most of my friends work in the same field, so like I kind of know the answers you're getting. Um, what's so fascinating to me there is we often claim, especially in the West, like, you know, we're, we're so open-minded and we have all of these these standards and, like, everyone has the same opportunities. But if you then look at these details, blocking people from the SWIFT network essentially blocks them from their uh, freedom of choice to interact with whoever they want. Now you can categorize interaction as a financial transaction or even speech if you want to. And it's so fascinating if you then look at Lightning, the way it's being used, micropayments, value for value, Nostra, all of these things, you literally not just enable money in in a matter of seconds for very low fees, but you're also enabling everyone to finally participate in these things. So I find it quite fascinating that it takes six months in El Salvador, which... Yeah, okay, it might not be, you know, um, Switzerland in terms of banking standards, but believe me, as a, as a Swiss and as someone who's lived there 26 years, the banking standards are not way better than what you figure they are. Um, but it's still six months of uncertainty, possibly not getting paid. Like, I just imagine a kid, like you said, has relatives in America, they want to send him money, he's not able to get it. And with Lightning, especially with Bitcoin, they're able to do so. Um were you then in the end able to set up the account or were you just in that matter saying, you know what, I'll just lose lightning at the end of the day? No, so you, you do have to have a bank account anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no choice. And the process, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just it's just a bit long. But in the end, it happened. Like, I'm lucky enough that, you know, the purpose of the company is to be able to distribute the new documentary I'm working on. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting revenue now. Like, uh, you know, I had time to take like it was okay you know they told me well you know once we set it up it'll be six months for that like I was prepared for that I wasn't in any way because the film's still in production so not expecting any kind of income so no problem for me per se right but um, yeah so I managed got the bank account everything is good yeah but uh, it's just uh, you know the it's mostly for locals the problem that there is and for any kind of business that wants to set up there right and it's the fact that and I guess this will change of course in the future right but it's the fact that you still need you have to have a bank account even if you don't use it even if you just use lightning if you just use bitcoin you still need a bank account there and it's just what it is and i mean i get that you know it's legacy systems it's like kind of how like the taxing system is like used to work there etc like like this kind of stuff is going to take time i think before you change it in el salvador but but yeah bank account is set up all good what you were saying about um integrating a lightning wallet 
uh, on the on an app uh, just through some simple coding. I mean, that makes me so bullish when when people say say stuff like that. And speaking to a few of our previous guests, um, like Jordan, for example, from the Bitcoin Collective, and he was saying what inspires him about Bitcoin is uh, it's it's mirroring and doing much stronger than the adoption of the internet and and the s curve that was involved with that and and speaking with um the guys over at relay trying to build a, a ui a user interface that is more user friendly for for people that are less uh, technically involved and i think as soon as that comes into play and you've got the lightning network with a, a usually a easy to use uh, ui I think that's the opportunity that Bitcoin can become something uh, next level. Um, and it, it's, it encourages me that, you know, once once people are on board that train, it's an unstoppable train. Um, so I just wanted to make that, that comment really about being bullish after what you just said. But I want to know what um, are you deciding to call this next documentary? And when is it that we can expect maybe that to be released? So uh, it's called the fight for the US dollar um, because the, the point is to explain who is fighting for the US dollar uh, because of course it's all of these organizations that are um, working together and in fact you know the, what's interesting is that it's not only just the biz the IMF I mean it, these guys of course they're working to keep the monetary system the way it is but even if you go beyond that like um, even if you think of what it could be a world where the US dollar is no longer the reserve currency, like it, what if it's going to be the BRICS or China? I mean, it doesn't matter because it's the same shit. <laughs> it's not like it's going to be a different monetary system. It's just going to be a different, um, you know, uh, how do you call it? Uh, a different currency that we base ourselves, our lives around, right? It'll just be something different, but it's the same, like it's same uh, incentives, same corruption that comes with it. And uh, so, yeah, and and so the idea is that the only thing outside of that is Bitcoin, right? Uh, and uh, there, everything else is just part of the same fiat system. And so the fight for the US dollar, that's the title. I don't know if it'll change, you know, I, I keep on saying it's a working title. Um, mm. But it's the title that I have on the trailer because I did a temporary trailer. It's available on YouTube. Um, there'll be a final trailer once we've got everything, all the animations, all the, yeah. Um, and um, fight for the US dollar in production. I'm hoping to finish it by the end of this year and uh, be able to uh, go for distribution early next year. Uh, we'll see exactly. I'm, of course, I'm organizing the Bitcoin Film Fest. Uh, the next edition is, I mean, the next official, the big edition, because we're going to do a lot of side projects. But the next one is in April next year, 20th of April around. And uh, I want to be able to screen it there. Uh, so that's kind of the, nice. the objective, because, you know, uh, I mean, I organized something to um, celebrate Bitcoin culture and cinema, then I really want to be able to show my film there. Um, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. It all depends on, uh, you know, people's schedules and who I work with to be able mm -hmm. to, to get that released. And funding, in fact, if I may add, because that's part of, uh, I got the money to finish the film. I still need money to be able to, like, you know, distribute the film, promote it, etc. So I'm still... So if there's that. anyone listening to this that is interested in funding Pierre, then then obviously we'll put his details in the show notes. So please get in contact with him and throw Sats his way immediately. Yes, um, yes. What I've had fantasies about is there being like this movie um, or 
um, sort of graphic novel series that takes off that that tells the story of Bitcoin in some way, in some kind of sci-fi or dysto- post-dystopian world where Bitcoin comes in as a savior. Joel, what are you laughing at? <laughs> uh, I, I was I, I was halfway thinking maybe he's going down the road. I'm thinking yes, like of previous Telegram messages we've been sending back and forth, but luckily he saved it and he didn't go for the for. <laughs> For the other version of the movie you told me about. <laughs> uh, weird Bitcoin porn, that's what you mean? <laughs> no, no, I think Ian was drunk back then when he messaged me. <laughs> it was back off the wedding, so, or the, or the evening of his wedding, so. Are you going to expose me now, Joel? Are you going to dox me on here? <laughs> no, he had, he had a very good sci-fi idea. I was just like, that's a weird message to send me at like 1am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, I was, I was most likely stoned on on some sort of uh, <laughs> weed strain. Uh, well, I'm I'm most inspired in those moments. <laughs> right, yes, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so actually, you know, when it comes to like some more story sci-fi, of course. Um, and of course, I, I know that because, you know, doing the Bitcoin Film Fest, we're in touch with every single filmmaker that works on Bitcoin films. And, the, you know, we're trying to, like, be the center of that. Um, and there isn't that much happening. Of course, you know, right now it's mostly about pure education. So it's, it's a lot of documentaries. I mean, myself, I'm working on my second documentary. But there are some people that are working on some stuff. There's, uh, for example, some guys, they released... Uh, um, a first episode, they want to make a series out of it, an animated series called Bitcoin and Friends. And mm-hmm. they, yeah, so they, I know that they've, uh, they're working on the full season now. They've changed a bit. They've uh, tuned down the, um, you know, the use of bad words, etc. make it a bit more approachable. But uh, animated uh, Rick and Morty style, let's say, uh, uh, series. So that's a pretty interesting one. Um, there's also um, the, oh, what's it called? The Bitcoin... Oh, I forgot the name. Uh, yeah, but they're also trying to work on a feature film. Uh, not so much sci-fi, but feature film. So, like a story, a fiction, not, not documentary format. Um, and other than that, well, actually, I even worked on something that was really sci-fi turned. Uh, it's, on, uh, it's on YouTube. I called it Orange Pilled. And it's narrated by Daniel Prince, actually. Nice. And um, yeah, and uh, it's, a, it's a one minute, 20 seconds. I basically... You know Unreal Engine 5? They make Mm -hmm. video Mm -hmm. games on that and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so I watched some random video, understood how easy this kind of got, and I spent three weeks just obsessing on it and had to come out of these three weeks with a short video that I could like use with a story, etc. And so, and so I did one about Satoshi Nakamoto origin story. Um, and it, so it's on my YouTube channel, The Great Reset Films. And there it's, I think, one of the most recent videos called Orange Pilled. And it's a animated uh, video done on Unreal Engine 5 where um, there's just narration. There's someone working on his computer in an, in, a, in an apartment. I think I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then the camera is kind of uh, moving around yeah. and there's just the narration, so Daniel Prince narrating, saying that um, he comes from a world where uh, uh, governments and corporations control everything, um, that they've taken over because this and that and that and that, and right at the end of it, uh, so he mentions that he comes from the future, uh, and has been sent back in order to fix what has gone wrong, and, and that is money. And when um, 
just the last screen. There's the camera that lifts up from behind the character that shows the screen and what he's working on. And you see the Bitcoin white paper is right there. Uh, so that's kind of one of these stories. But I have an entire backstory for that where like it's uh, from the future, a rebellious group that uh, they're trying to like, you know, fight against that. And like the last moment before they get caught, he takes an orange pill that like leads him to go back in time and find himself in present time. Well, in 2008 and starts writing and like actually publishing the code for Bitcoin that they had created then. So, I mean, I think there's stuff to do there, but the problem is it's funding. It's all about money. To do something like that, like, I mean, you know, I can have some fun on Unreal Engine, but I mean, come on, I can't do it. Like there's professionals to do that. And uh, yeah, that's like, you know, for a short one minute video, you can make it look pro because it's mostly about just the storytelling and some of the shots mm. that you take. But if you want to do a full thing, it's, it's, all, it's next level and it's a lot of money. And I think right now, it's already very hard to get funding for documentary filmmaking about Bitcoin, especially during a bear market. Um, but, it, you know, it's a big hustle and uh, it's purely educational. It's much easier to plug companies mm. there. It's much easier, you know, like a, there's actual sponsorship and um, advertisement possibilities there that are much harder to get with fiction work. So I think we just need to get to the next level where mm. enough uh, f uh, people from the film industry uh, get into these uh, these kind of topics, but you know, it's it's all a matter of what we do about it. Is it going to be a Bitcoin-focused film, or is Bitcoin mm. just a tool? Because that's what it is, right? Is mm. is Bitcoin just something that can be mentioned in that? I see much more, and I've been in, like very serious conversations with a lot of very serious people, including from the uh, Hollywood industry, of doing a 1984 remake. Right. Mm -hmm. That's already somewhere where like you can introduce a lot of concepts that are, you know. A couple of years away from us, CBDCs and the control that can come from them, right? Like what our society could look like then, right? Like, um, and uh, this you can do a complete parallel with Bitcoin and like the opportunities that, and not only Bitcoin, but free open source software in general and like how it can unlock these things. So I think, you know, maybe it's a matter of getting more people from the industry that, um, mm -hmm. You want to talk about these stories and Bitcoin just being one of the one, one of these, right? This I think will come sooner than a full Bitcoin Satoshi film. But you know, hopefully, yeah. and that's part of what you know we want to do with the Bitcoin Film Fest initiative. Being at the heart of Bitcoin film makes it that whoever, whenever Netflix is going to go and produce a big film about the Satoshi origin story, well, I hope they reach out to us so we can be part of that and, you know, help them direct the story properly. Like, it's, it's hard, you know, uh, for people that are outside of the Bitcoin world to understand Bitcoin. And for anyone that is getting into Bitcoin, we all have our own individual niche. We mm -hmm. can serve anyone that is going to come into Bitcoin with our specific knowledge and our niche because eventually we know everyone is going to get into bitcoin so even if you're a psychologist you can talk about psychology and how bitcoin changes some of like the effects there any psychologist that is going to get into bitcoin in the future he's going to want to learn about you so there's mm -hmm. like strong opportunity for every niche because every niche is going to get in yes definitely and i think what we sometimes lack in the bitcoin um social layers is like we all know that you know bitcoin fixes a b and c but then at the end of the day we have to approach it to normies and i often ask myself because i'm just too young to have been part of the really early internet movement you know the the um, um people who invented the browsers and sort of hang around irc chat rooms all day um and i was just 
I was just on the brink of, hey, you know, web development picks up, you sort of spend your days in um, got AOL and, and Amazon chat and then all of these things. Um, but I often imagine that's what it must have been like in those early internet days, because no one gets what you mean. We already have a culture, so we have different subcultures in Bitcoin and we'll definitely have different subcultures in the future. But you're in that weird spectrum where the film, for example, you want to do a story-driven thing, maybe a cartoonish thing and sort of make it really cool, really hype, sci-fi-like. But then you know, actually, we first need to get people there to understand it. Um, if anything, then we can sort of do it now, but we have to know that this is just a seed we plant and potentially the next 20 years, 30 years, we're not going to get to see the whole tree that emerges out of it. But, you know, at least the seed is there. That's the important thing, right? Joel, um, do you recognize this sound? I'm not hearing anything, so we might have to hold it closer to the, <laughs> to the mic. You hear that? Old people in tech, eh? Um, is that the dial-up sound or what is it? See, now he's laughing at me. <laughs> do you remember that sound? I do. <laughs> That's the sound of what internet used to sound like uh, oh. back in my day. That's right. that's the the dial up tone. You have to wait for your phone to dial into the internet. <laughs> so yes, yeah, yes, yes. early internet days was fascinating. I always remember just watching the screen like for like five minutes until one JPEG image loaded up on the screen, and it was just like fascinated by this every every line as it loaded up to reveal what the picture was. But look where we've become. Look what we've 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 uh, evolved into, right? In these day mm. in this day and age, yeah, I feel like, so old right now. Yeah, no, of course. But but again, you know, it's uh, it's the kind of stuff now. It's just so easy to build stuff. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you have any coding experience, but I did um, a few like a month and a half ago or two months ago. I released um, this thing, this tool called Talk to Satoshi. Um, like yeah, and so it's a, it's a chatbot, but it's based uh, on the of course OpenAI model. But the only and you can ask it questions about Bitcoin, and the only sources of information it looks for are in like you know all of Satoshi's public messages, the white paper, the Bitcoin standards, the price of tomorrow, and like my own documentary too as well, and everything divided by 21 million by Knut van Home. But anyway, um, the idea is you can ask it any question and it'll, and it'll reply. Yeah, uh, and then you know we even get the cost in Sats. You can like uh, cover for your cost in lightning and stuff uh, very cool i recommend everyone to check it out um i built this with a friend he's not a bitcoiner he's uh he's quite technical very much in architecture but he's not a coder himself um yet i mean you can use now chat gpt and other ai tools to like just uh, code so efficiently it's crazy and in fact i got back to coding since then because of just uh, how much fun it is because you just have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, of course, you need to know, understand what you're doing a little bit because there's a lot of debugging. There's a lot of like stuff you need to fix. And especially it can't tell you for a full scale application. It can only tell you for small bits of pieces. But it's just uh, it's just so easy to do this stuff. And literally, that's literally the lightning integration I did for Talk to Satoshi. I had no idea how to do it. I had an Allen Bits uh, account on my note and I just copy-pasted the details they have for their API. I copy-pasted it into ChatGPT and said, how can I create functions to accept and send payments? No, I think I only need to accept it then, uh, to accept payments, and it gave me the function. Like, so it, like, anyone can themselves build their own lightning accepting solutions on their website by just copy-pasting a bunch of like words you don't understand into a, <laughs> an AI bot, yeah, and it's yeah. just gonna like, yeah. so you know, the the, 
the how the easiness, how easy it is to build stuff right now, and how to, you can integrate to such tools, including tools that allow you to like own your own financial freedom. It's it's amazing. It's uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating to build and see how easy it is to build and get all of these ideas that uh, you know of stuff you can do in the future and uh, yeah, and how you can just uh, help individuals through open source software. It just makes me wonder. Um... Because you mentioned the, the price of tomorrow um, when you were talking about asking Satoshi anything. Um, what I found fascinating about that is the exponential abundance and the exponential growth that would come about under a Bitcoin standard because of the technological uh, freedom of us being able to to pretty much build in in spaces that we have had, haven't had access to in the past. And especially in a deflationary environment, um, that is Bitcoin. And um, it just makes me wonder about the possibilities of, of mankind and, and what we can actually truly achieve when we sort of circumvent the control that the big tech companies have. Have you got any thoughts about all that? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, in general, AI is kind of the, the big point, I feel, because that's what's, I mean, first off, it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs, but it's also going to create a lot of jobs. But what's also very interesting about AI is that, you know, the moment, okay, we created Talk to Satoshi, and great, you know, in like five days, we had like 300 articles written about it in literally every single language. So, you know, great, great, great. But then, you know, how do you make a business out of it, right? There's a moment where the only thing it's doing is it's costing us because you have to pay for the server, you have to pay for the OpenAI API, etc. Um, and I think, you know, there is solutions also to fix the the servers you pay and stuff, maybe through relays on Noster, etc. There's a lot of ideas that, that, that you can have there. Um, but, but what's interesting is also, you know, sure you do something that people seem to have a lot of value because everyone talks about it, everyone wants to talk about it, and it brought a lot of crypto people as well to ask questions about Bitcoin, etc. Very interesting. But how do you make a business out of it when no one will ever want to pay for that? Right, like, and and what kind of tools can you actually build? Because we started thinking with you know this co-founder, we we're like, okay, so wait, so what now? Like now, like we understand how to use this tech to like do stuff that is cool, right? Now, how can we do stuff like use it to do stuff a bit more complex that can answer like business problems, etc. But you always hit the same point. It's like, who's gonna pay for that? Like, it's it, like, sure, it's great. Sure, it can like, I mean, I, I using the same talk to Satoshi interface, I took, I did 29 interviews so far, 30 interviews for my documentary. I took all the subtitles from these, doc, from these interviews. I uploaded them all onto a vector store. And now I can ask questions to this interface and it will answer using only these interviews and giving me exactly the timestamp and where I can find like my interviews and wh what point I can find the exact quote that was used. So like easy to like write the film, etc. Who's gonna pay for that? Who's gonna pay how much for that? What's your target? Are you targeting Hollywood documentary filmmakers? In which case they've got to pay like, you know, a few hundred bucks a month, are you bringing enough value for them? Well, not really, right? And so who's going to pay then? YouTubers? YouTubers are going to pay like 10 bucks a month to use something like that? Well, maybe, but is it good enough? Like, you can for free already chat with a PDF uh, just by typing PDF AI chat and like you can upload whatever you want. Like maybe not so many files, but I mean, 
if you create a solution like that in six months, there's going to be, or less than six months, there's going to be the equivalent completely for free. So, you, you know, it's kind of what opportunity actually lies there, right? And, and the, that's also about, you know, um, of course, what you can build there, but also who's going to make money from that and in what way. I think a lot of it is going to, you know, force people to actually find value in things and be able to rethink when you build something. And, you know, there's a hype with AI right now. I think it's going to drop at some mm. point because, of course, mm. everyone is going to start realizing that. Um, yeah, but it's just, I mean, I went on a rant. I forgot what your question was in the first place. <laughs> no worries. It sparked a new question or it sparked more a new comment because whether it's AI, ironically, whether it were ICOs and shitcoins back in the days with like VC money, just the most current hype thing, you always have to add the proof of work. You have to train these models. You have to feed information, even with the AI. Like I get asked this at every social gathering I am, like, oh, as a writer, you're in big danger now with AI. And I go, yes, maybe at first, but first of all, if I just tell OpenAI, um, ChatGPT or any AI model, like write me 10,000 words about this thing, I'm probably faster at the end of the day, you know, yeah. at least writing an outline and trying to come up with um, specific prompts for specific chapters and things, because the quality is not there yet. And if it is, great. It's like you said, I have the skill set to use that technology. And once I do, I can then utilize that skill set to maybe outsource new jobs, build new infrastructure, build new products. And I think we often forget this also in the Bitcoin community that, yes, Bitcoin is a great tool, but we actually have to use it and we have to sort of use these new discoveries and, um, you know, add them to the world, whether that be a simple lightning integration, like mm. you mentioned, um, or maybe something more complex like Nostra. You just have to use these applications, products, um, and ideally protocols calls, not platforms, mm. to get more people on and, you know, to really change the whole world from the inside. Because we do go up against a huge giant, whether that be, you know, any central bank, uh, financially speaking, or um, just the, the, the way the internet is set up these days. Like, people are not used to owning what they put out. Like, if I share my blog article, yes, I've written it, but everyone has a copy of it. If I own my Bitcoin, if I've got my keys, if I have everything set up, I own it. Like you, the only way you can take it away from me is with a wrench attack. And I mean, you have to find me in all of these things. So um, I think that's a massive paradigm shift we sometimes need to have. Um, and yeah, you know, funnily enough, AI creeps up, um, gives us the opportunity and who knows what we'll see in the next five to 10 years with it. But you mentioned the um, price of tomorrow, um, Pierre, and like I don't want to drag out the interview too long because it's after hour. We record on a Friday, so like it's happy hour soon. Um, what was or what is one book, article, video you like to send to people who are maybe new into Bitcoin? Maybe they want to just do that one important step and dig deeper. Do you have a resource to share or do you regularly have something you come back to and go like, hey, if I'm a bit off track, I read this, I watch this and I'm good to go again? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, and I'm a bit biased, I guess, but I recommend my documentary because <laughs> it's, it's an easy way to go. But, you know, I have a lot of conversations, for example, with my dad about this. For Christmas, I got him the price of tomorrow. I think what's very good with this book is that it's not a Bitcoin book. It's, uh, but, it, but, it, but it explains so many of the concepts anyway. Um, but, you know, I think the book that for me actually really worked was The Bitcoin Standard. That's like one of these books that like, while I was 
starting, because that's what Bitcoin does when you study Bitcoin, right? When you go down the rabbit hole, you, you unlock new ideas that you thought were completely wrong and you kind of start seeing the world differently, right? So while, while I was going that, that, down that path and little by little understanding more things, well, the Bitcoin standard was the tool that allowed me to really um, lock these concepts in my mind um, that I couldn't understand. And I think, you know, if I'd have to give an order in that case, maybe it would be first read the price of tomorrow, then the Bitcoin standard. Because the Bitcoin standard is already, you got to be a bit of a Bitcoiner to properly, I think, uh, understand it. Uh, you got to be open to the idea of uh, central bankers do shit work. Like, uh, <laughs> and I think uh, um, the, the price of tomorrow is, is an easier way to transition to that. So, but they're usually the two. I mean, that's why they're the two, the first two that were on the Talk to Satoshi uh, uh, platform because they're the ones I think that hold information that all Bitcoiners agree with actually and it's only true about Bitcoin it doesn't because other books are going to also include other concepts other things that you know can be a bit more niche a bit more a subculture etc these I think are are general enough to just purely educate about Bitcoin and the state of our economy brilliant and uh, lastly where can people find you on the socials Pierre well, uh, Twitter, I guess. I'm not as active as I should be, uh, but on Twitter, you can find me just by searching Pierre Corbin or my at is at Sierre Corbin, just inverse the first and last letters. Um, yeah, on YouTube, there's the Great Reset Films uh, and um, yeah, and pretty much any other social. But I think Twitter is the, is the best place to, to follow me. Please see the show notes for the links directly to those socials and, and uh, of course, Pierre's uh, wonderful documentary and film. And we're certainly looking forward to the release of the next one uh, next year. And uh, thank you for your time, Pierre, and enjoy the rest of your time uh, in that lovely scenic uh, place that you're at and maybe get out on that pedal boat of yours and, and uh, have a chill and enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. That's the plan, yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and uh, talk to you guys real soon.